This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this, this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Kristen Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tevish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. The purpose of my show is to explore how work will change in times of globalization and digitization. I want to understand the work of tomorrow. Now, when you look at the startups over the last decade, many of them do for their customers what moms and dads do for their children. Need a ride? Rather than calling mom, you now get an Uber or a Lyft. Out of milk and too lazy to go to the store? Rather than adding milk to your parents' shopping list, Instacart is a perfect solution for you. Feeling hungry? Instead of waiting for dad to make dinner, you now order through Uber Eats or Grubhub. A particular challenge in all of these distributed logistic models is the famous last mile problem. Shipping containers around the world is one thing. Shipping a hot pepperoni pizza in 25 minutes through busy Philadelphia traffic is another one. So food delivery and the last mile of shipment are the topics of my show today. To explore this topic, I will be speaking to Sam Hall, who is the Chief Product Officer at Grubhub. So at this point, welcome, Sam. Hi, how are you? Hey, Sam, if I would treat you for any meal available via Grubhub in the country tonight, what would be your favorite pick? Right now, my favorite pick is is definitely sushi, although uh, my family goes into phases. <laughs> and do you have like a particular restaurant that you like to go to, or is it you just shopping around, so to say? Uh, we, uh, we shop around. Yesterday, we had two orders. My family had two orders, one from a place called Osago Sushi, uh, which is in Chelsea, uh, Manhattan. And the second was from Five Napkin Burgers for my daughter. And so we, we go back and forth. Now, for those of us not familiar with Grubhub, talk about what Grubhub does and the services it provides. So Grubhub is the largest uh, marketplace for food in the United States. And what we do is we partner with 105,000 restaurants nationwide and over 2,000 markets and connect uh, hungry people with the food they love. And so if, if someone's hungry, you know, either at home or in the office, they just, they just take out our app uh, and order whatever it is they want, and the food shows up generally between 30 and 45 minutes later at their door. Now, what happens along the way from the moment that I order my salad on Grubhub and the delivery 45 minutes later? What is kind of the process that plays out? So uh, I guess the, the process plays out is that every day, uh, we use very kind of complicated machine learning models to determine uh, what the market looks like that day. And so we know, for example, in Manhattan, what Tuesday lunch looks like in February. And we know uh, if it's raining or snowing, what that does for demand as well. And we use that to generate an estimation of how long that food is going to take to get to you. We then, uh, so then when you're searching for food, so in my example, I'm looking for sushi. Um, I'd realize that my favorite sushi restaurant is going gonna, is gonna to take between 30 and 45 minutes to get the food to me. I would then order the food. Uh, from the app. Uh, at that point, we would transmit the order to the restaurant and to the delivery driver. Uh, the, the restaurant would make the food, uh, signal to the driver that the food is ready. The driver would show up, pick up the food, and deliver it, uh, deliver it to my apartment. Uh, I would then enjoy my meal, and then uh, I would provide feedback uh, in terms of how good the food was you know, and how good the overall experience was. And we'd take that feedback and use that signal to make the experience better for the next time. So it's interesting. You you mentioned a detail that caught my attention and get on, got me on thinking on something that I initially had planned to bring up later, that, that learning part, right? So you're aggregating demand from many consumers. 
Do you, in some sense, balance demand in the sense that if there are like a hundred people who all want to have sushi and they're all going to go to the same uh, sushi restaurant that you ordered your dinner from uh, last night, Sam, do you kind of then say like, well, then the hundred and first customer, I try to nudge them to not get sushi or do you just take what customers want and just work on basically making the pro just just be, be clear with the customer. It might take longer, but you don't try to manipulate, pardon the wording, manipulate demand. Yeah, we don't try and manipulate demand. And so if 101 uh, customers want sushi from that restaurant, we will uh, make sure we communicate the right expectation to them about how long it will take, but we will not try and guide them to something else. Now, often it does become kind of self-governing in terms of, you know, if I notice that my favorite sushi place is backed up and it's going to take 10 minutes longer to get the food delivered, I may decide to uh, order from another place as well, too. So that tends to kind of self-regulate. Now, when you ordered your sushi sen last night, it wasn't just you, but there were probably roughly another half million orders that uh, GrabUp handled on that day. Uh, can you give us a sense of the, the magnitude, the scale of your operations? So, uh, yeah, so, so we do uh, around a half million orders per day. And, and they come, they're generated to over 105,000 restaurants across the country. Uh, in about 2,000 markets. And, you know, and collectively, that's about $5 billion a year uh, in revenue. And that's just in the United States, which is where we operate. And so, you know, and we are the biggest uh, food, you know, food marketplace in the United States. And so we're operating at a very big scale right now. And how many of those involve uh, delivery? I mean, I, I, I think I can also just use uh, GrabHub to, to just order for self-pickup, right? Uh, is, what, is the majority delivery included? Exactly. Uh, and, and we are a marketplace. And that, what that means is that uh, we are indifferent to how the restaurant wants to provide food to you. And so when you're ordering from Grubhub, um, in some cases, you may, like in your example, you may decide to pick up the, rest, the food yourself at the restaurant. In some cases, uh, often in bigger cities, the restaurant may decide that you know, they want to deliver the food themselves. In other cases, Grubhub will deliver the food, too. And so we offer um, all three methods to our, uh, to our restaurant. And as a result, the, the majority is uh, delivered today, but pickup is, uh, is a significant part of our business, and it's growing very fast. Now, when you look as a C-level executive on, on, on this massive operations, what, what performance measures do you track on a, on a daily or a weekly level to just get a sense of how you're doing? So we look at, I guess, the obvious operational metrics. You know, we look at the, you know, we call it the click-to-door ratio in terms of, on average, by market, how long does it take from the time I click buy to how long until the food is actually delivered? We measure um, everything from uh, what the customer satisfaction is with the food. We measure the driver's satisfaction with the overall experience. We, uh, we have the, uh, we have drivers rating restaurants, restaurants rating drivers, customers rating food, and so we take all those signals uh, and, and, feed, and feed that back into the experience and try and make it better all the time too. And so. We spend a lot of time focused on both customer metrics in terms of, uh, you know, how many people, you know, how many people are ordering per day, are they getting their food on time, what do the ETAs look like per marketplace, as well as their satisfaction with the overall experience, and then uh, look at that and use that to improve the experience, you know, for the next week, so to speak. Now, one thing that uh, GrabHub is famous for is is, is kind of your tracking and transparency, right? How much you tell the customers kind of what is happening to their order. Tell tell a little bit uh, more about that part. So uh, that's actually really, it's a really interesting question. Uh, I've been in this job for about a year now. And when I first got here, my operating theory was we wanted to uh, 
tell customers, be completely transparent. Every time something changed in the ETA there, we should tell them. Uh, but then if you look at kind of what happens in the average food delivery, a lot can happen in, in terms of the restaurant's kitchen could get backed up. The, you know, there could be traffic, the delivery driver, you know, they might be on a bike and they get a flat tire. So there's a lot of things that can happen and often they cancel each other out. And so we're, and so you don't, you don't necessarily want to tell the customer every single time something actually changes. And so what we try and do is, you know, use algorithms to think about, did something happen in the course of this delivery that materially changed when that food's going to show up? And then we try and tell the customer. And we do it in many ways. We send them push alerts and text, you know, push alerts or text messages that have given us permission to do that. We also um, have maps where we show the driver uh, on the map, and you, so you can kind of decide for yourself how far the driver is away from you and how long the food's going to take. And we also show that with the experience, you know, an updated, you know, we think the food's going to be here within X minutes because uh, food is a very visceral thing, and when you want your food and you're hungry, you want to know exactly where it is too. And so we try very, very hard to make sure that you know. Uh, when that food's going to be there and when things have changed. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm Christian Tevich, and I'm chatting with uh, Sam Hall, who's the Chief Product Officer at GrabHub. We uh, talked about what GrabHub does, the scale of the operations, and uh, now kind of uh, transition towards its business model. Uh, Sam, people oftentimes talk about platform businesses, right? Uh, they're com consumers, they're restaurants, and you basically are the platform where these interact. Uh, people oftentimes speak about two-sided markets. In your case, though, there is a third dimension, really, that is a delivery operation. Can you explain to us how you kind of fit those three things together as opposed to the usual kind of like an Expedia who just basically matches two things together? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, we operate a three-sided marketplace. And so at any given time, uh, if you look at what – we haven't talked about restaurants much. If you, look, if you look at what restaurants want, they want incremental demand. They want Grubhub to bring them business they could not have gotten on their own. And, uh, but in order to provide an incremental demand, you have to have a lot of customers on your platform. And so, uh, and so it's the customer demand that drives restaurants to want to be on your platform, and it's having broad selections of restaurants that drive customers to want to order from you. And then, uh, and then the third side of this is that at any given time, you have to have drivers that actually deliver that food from place A to place B. And so, you know, so we have to constantly look at what the demand is Uh, between the between the customers and the restaurants, and then forecast in advance what what does that mean in terms of driver demand to make sure we have enough drivers on the road to be able to provide the food uh, in the amount of time that we've we've told them to. And the marketplace always has to stay in balance. We look at it as a flywheel, and so we're constantly measuring each part of these uh, marketplaces and doing interventions if necessary to make sure that we've got the right amount of drivers on the road, uh, you know, and the right amount of and, and that we're constantly uh, adding more customers to the platform and adding more restaurants to the platform. So we look at all three sides of that marketplace equally. Let's uh, start with the drivers, maybe from those those uh, three sides. Um, do you have your own troops on the ground, if you will, or is this more like an Uber crowd orchestrator model, where you basically have a market where people are paid per delivery or per mile that they drive? Exactly, it's a market. Uh, you know, the drivers are contractors, and they're paid you know in a variety of different ways. But you know, it's a mixture of, of tips. You know, and it varies by market. It's a mixture of tips, uh, you know, hourly, uh, by delivery, by mile. It really depends by marketplace. But the drivers are uh, independent contractors. And so there is everything that we know from the kind of Uber-like markets. There's a surge pricing when you're kind of more desperate because there's just a lot of demand on your platform. You you pay higher rates. We don't uh, we don't do sur we don't do surge pricing in terms of customers. The customers always you know. In 
what we do is uh, sometimes when we uh, need more drivers in the marketplace, we will you know, try harder to get drivers to drive by adding economic in- incentives for them to be on the road, too. But we don't... Uh, so the search, price, the, search, the search pricing is really absorbed by, by you guys, and you, it's between you and your drivers. The customer just sees the flat fee, right? Exactly. So how, we don't penalize customers. How, how do you make your money? You're going you're gonna to take a commission on, on the food orders. Is, is, is that the, the only source of revenue? It is. And so it, because we're a marketplace uh, you know, and we provide incremental revenue, we only charge restaurants when we actually provide a sale for them and we take a commission. That's exactly right, and that's the only, and that's and that is our revenue source. And the tips uh, are kept by the drivers. Uh, the tip, the tips go directly to the drivers, and they're kept by them. Are there other, let's say, non-obvious revenue model forms that you are kind of contemplating? If you think about the power that you have in terms of directing traffic, directing demand to restaurants, you could imagine some form of advertising, positioning on the website, premium service for kind of faster deliveries. Is, is there anything else that you monetize, or is, is, is it just really flat flat fee? Yeah, right now, I mean, all those things, you know, are, I guess, interesting for the future. But right now, you know, it's a pretty simple business. We just charge the restaurants a commission when they make a sale. So let's move from the uh, the, the drivers to the restaurants. So uh, the number that you mentioned earlier on, uh, 105,000 restaurants, um, how do you bring them on board? I mean, uh, there must be a certain onboarding process. I mean, it starts, I guess, with just simply just having the, the data about their menus, uh, but, but just making sure that they're integrated in your workflow. How much, how much work is involved in that? So it's, it's actually gotten pretty simple over the years. So now a restaurant can sign up completely self-service. And so they can go to our website, fill out a form, uh, you know, give us their business information. Uh, they can send us a they can send us a digital copy of their menu, uh, and we'll convert it into kind of the menu structure that our platform needs. And then they're uh, we'll typically ship them a tablet that they can use to manage their orders uh, with Grubhub, and then they're off to the races. And so it's a it's a very simple process today. So for the restaurants that work with you, I mean, I, I understand that you cannot see it in your data, but I'm sure you've done some market research. Um, for the restaurants that work with you, what, what percentage of their business is associated with Grubhub versus other delivery services versus the traditional kind of in-store dining or eating? So it, it's tough to generalize. Uh, you know, we are the largest. You know, we are the largest food you know, food marketplace in the United States, and so generally, um, we are the largest share of their business. It does it does vary by market, and then in terms of you know, was provided by Grubba versus provided directly. It really does depend on the restaurant, but there are, you know, there are many restaurants that, you know, over half the revenue comes from Grubhub. Do you think that is a, just as a, as a citizen thinking about the city of the future, thinking about traffic, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I was kind of struggling in kind of preparing for the show. I, th- I think this is one nice thing on the, that, Basically, the, the restaurant doesn't have to hold that many parking lots anymore, right? It's kind of from, from city traffic. There's a certain efficiency of having one person pick up for, from four restaurants before driving out to the, 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 the suburb, aggregating orders. On the other hand, you could say, like, well, it, it, it adds to city traffic. Have you, have you thought about how this impacts uh, cities of the future and, and traffic? So uh, we've thought a little bit about it, and it, it really does depend on the city. For example... Uh, in a lot of our major cities, the delivery is actually done on a bicycle, and so you know we think that's a you know kind of a very efficient way of of uh, getting orders out. And then to the extent we we can bundle orders and have and have the dr- driver drop off multiple orders at once, that's actually a big efficiency as well. 
And so, you know, we think in general it's far more efficient than people, you know, everyone, for every order, people getting into a car, driving, parking in a parking lot, uh, picking up the food and driving back. Uh, and so it, it is more efficient than that. And so, uh, you know, so we do think that uh, it's, it's a better way of getting food to people. So you make the pitch of some form of scale economies from aggregation. I mean, I had a show with Instacart recently, and we had a similar discussion, right, where rather than everybody driving to the store, why not have one person within the store anyway just, you know, wheel around with the cart in the store, shop for five people at once, and there are certain scale economies. And there would be something, some form of value creation that goes beyond the fact that I'm just outsourcing the, the getting the food, right? Do, do, you, do you see these scale economies? Yeah, we do, definitely. It goes back to what I was just saying. I mean, to, to the extent we can uh, be, become more efficient at, at, you know, at taking, you know, more than one delivery at once, uh, it definitely creates scale efficiencies. It does change the nature of competition, though, right? I mean, if I, if I used to be a restaurant... Uh, in you know, say I'm on, somewhere on Market Street in San Francisco, and um, I'm I'm competing against kind of other other restaurants in in that walking distance in that block. Um, I guess now when it comes to ordering through Grubhub, the amount of competition is higher. Uh, the consideration on set of the consumer is bigger, which means I'm suddenly competing against more players. No. I think that's, you know, I think what's happening in restaurants is what's happening in, you know, all areas of commerce, where it's becoming increasingly important for all restaurants to have a digital platform, a digital place, so to speak. And what we do is we help them compete in that area. And so most, you know, most restaurants don't have the ability to create their own, you know, digital, you know, digital app or website for food ordering. And so we're able to actually, you know, provide that for them. So they can actually compete with, uh, you know, compete outside of people that uh, just walk past their restaurant. In addition, uh, as delivery becomes more and more prevalent, maybe having that prime street front location isn't isn't as important. And so I can have, you know, I can pay less rent and have something that's not, you know, not such prime street front location. But because I'm successful on digital, I can get just as many orders. One other thing too that's interesting for restaurants is they're actually able to now start. Uh, providing different types of food. Uh, they're called virtual restaurants. And so, for example, I could be a burger place um, and decide that I also uh, I want to try out selling salads uh, digitally as well. And so I can actually spin up a very quickly spin up a salad concept uh, from my same kitchen using my same employees uh, and try it out on digital to see if it actually works before I actually commit to that physically. So there's a lot of interesting things that restaurants can do now with these capabilities. So interesting. Do you, do you see, back to an earlier question to which you said the, the obviously correct answer, it, it varies widely, but the question of uh, the, what percentage of the, the meals delivered or produced by the restaurant are, are used for, your, for their online channel, do you, do you see restaurants that have gone all digital and have just abandoned their kind of in-store seating altogether? There are a few that are doing that, uh, although it's not as common. What you what you are seeing is you'll see some of the larger enterprise restaurants, the you know, the, the chains, they might spin up a delivery only kitchen, for example, uh, or in some of the larger restaurants, they might have a second food preparation line that's solely dedicated to pickup and delivery. And so, you're seeing some of the larger restaurant chains start to respond to this as well. I don't know if anyone's gone all in and said, you know, my entire presence is digital yet, but you can certainly. You know, if you play this out, seeing some restaurants that specialize in lunch, for example, 
may go that route. So do the... But, you know, but, at, the same, but at the same time, too, there is something, you know, people always want to go to a restaurant, sit down at a table, you know, and, and have a nice experience there. So that's not going to go away. This is really about when the people, you know, this is really competing more with cooking dinner at home than it is with, you know, the sit-down business in a restaurant. So that's, that's a really interesting observation, right? So the, the question then, or the, your hypothesis is that the entire supply, the uh, the number of meals produced or the, the billions of dollars kind of in, in revenue in the industry have gone up. The market has not been competed away against each other, but the market has expanded because latent demand in the form of uh, that previously was home cooking has now gone to the restaurant business? Yes. Yes, and you can, you know, and you can see... If you look in general, the uh, the out of you know the off presence uh, off premise consumption of restaurant food is about a two hundred billion dollar market a year in the United States, and and delivery is 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 sub ten percent penetrated there too. And so there is a huge opportunity for growth in this area. So you mentioned the um, the AI and the learning earlier on today. So uh, one form of learning is by, by being a repeated user of GrabUp, you learn more about my preferences and my tastes. Do you adapt food recommendations, meal options, to or potentially even prices to my kind of prior order uh, behavior? We don't adapt prices, but we certainly adapt uh, what restaurants we put in front of you. If you look at it, I guess, very simplistically, there's probably two use cases. One would be is that um, I've got a couple go-to restaurants. I have, you know, I have a few dishes that I really want. I'm hungry, and just get me my bean burrito. And so, uh, in that case, we've made it very easy within the app to uh, to go and just order previously ordered uh, things you've ordered in the past. Matter of fact, you don't even need to go in the app anymore. You can just ask Siri. Uh, mm-hmm. You can just ask Siri to do it, and you can order by voice now too. And so, if you want to order something you've ordered in the past, we make it extraordinarily simple for you to order that. That's one use case. The second use case is is when you want more inspiration. Uh, you have more time, you know, it might be a weekend night instead of a lunch, and you want to, and you really want to find something new to eat. Uh, in that case, we've invested a lot in our ability to, you know, to let you search and browse for restaurants based on, you know, simple, simple terms like Mexican or burrito or sushi. Uh, and then we'll actually, you know, learn what, take what we've learned uh, over the past about your neighborhood, uh, what people like to kind of put things in front of you that we we think you really like as well too, and so we really try and support both those use cases for customers. So when you see like put in front of you, uh, are you thinking of primarily putting a restaurant option in front of me, or even like a, an item from the menu? Right now it's restaurants, and we'll do that in two ways. Um, one is is that you know we will actually put restaurant recommendations in front of you, you know, based on your pre- previous eating history. Uh, that's one way. And the second way is in search. When you search for ser- when you search for terms, uh, we know based on your neighborhood, based on that time of day, what are very popular choices that people that look like you also like too. And so we use both those ways to kind of steer you towards things that we think you'll love. Interesting, right? So you learn about me as Christian. You also must be learning about the market as a whole, right? I mean, some form of population level learning, meta learning, where you figure out shopping behaviors and preferences. What, what do you do with that data? Is, is, is that data that can be used to further improve the restaurant business? Can you feed that back and say, like, uh, Christian, you've been running your restaurant selling, uh, 
you know, German style sauerkraut for the last, you know, five, <laughs> five years and nobody ever clicked on that item. And you might want to look at how the restaurant down the street presents their food. Uh, you must be a potentially really smart advisor to the restaurants beyond just helping them become go digital. And that's a really good point. And we do use those insights to try and help restaurants improve their business. So, for example, to extend on your, um, you know, your German restaurant, we know, for example, uh, what what prices should be. And so, for example, if in, in Midtown Manhattan, we know what a what a bean burrito should be priced at, and we can tell you if you're priced high or priced low based on that. We know what the average ratings are for food things, you know, for sushi, and we can compare you not to individual competitors, but to kind of generalize to the neighborhood saying and let you know if your ratings are, you know, are higher or lower than average, or your prices are higher or lower than average. We can actually um, go even deeper and take a look at your delivery metrics and, and know when you're, you know, what day of the week, for example, your kitchen is slower and getting the food out and let you as the restaurant know that. And the last thing we do is that we can actually start to look at your reviews uh, and, and, and data mine it on your behalf and say, you know what, based on this, people are saying that the, the sauerkraut is too salty. And so we think that, you know, you'd want to know that as well, too. And we're starting to take these insights and package them up and give them to the restaurants as part of just being on our platform. Oh, and interesting. That to improve, yeah. And so now there's within our exact in our user interface, they can actually click and see what insights we have on how they can improve their business on GrubHub and in general. Now, some companies, if I think about both Amazon and Netflix, actually, in the platform industry, they have gotten so smart that at some point they decided to turn that smartness into their own products and services, right? I mean, Netflix is now not just basically making curated offerings of shows. They, they produce their own stuff. Could you imagine in five years from now there is a grub-up restaurant because you just really know the saltiness of sauerkraut better than any German ever could? Uh, could, could, you, could you see kind of a strategic change in your business model other than just being the broker? I don't see us going in that route uh, in, in terms of us competing with our restaurant customers. Also, if you really think about it too, food is such a localized business. It's not like Netflix or Amazon where you can you know, compete at scale nationally and you know, develop a private label and ship it all over the world or develop you know, TVs or movies and, and ship that all over the world too. Food is so hyper-local too is that it just, you know, the restaurant business has grown up for a reason as a local business and we see it in you know growing up that way as well too and so uh which is why we don't you know we don't see ourselves ever competing with restaurants so, and plus it wouldn't even be practical what uh, are you competing on I, well, what is kind of what if you think about five years from now grab up is going to change in which direction what is going to be new for so, grab up so there's there's a bunch of different areas that we're uh you know we're focusing on right now the first is is on the restaurant side uh, we have really beefed up our capabilities over the course of the past you know, couple of years on helping restaurants compete digitally. So part of it is the insights uh, in terms of how to improve their business I told you about. We also have very sophisticated capabilities in helping. We will actually go out and help restaurants build their own, you know, the bigger restaurants build their own digital platform. And so, for, you know, and so we, you know, we may build their app and their website for them so they can have their own branded presence as well. Uh, we also have, you know, the ability for them to launch loyalty programs, coupons, promotions to customers, things like that, too. And so we, you know, we are really, uh, you know, becoming more and more sophisticated in our ability to be a great partner to restaurants. Um, one last thing, too, is our ability to integrate with restaurants at the point of sale level. And so if you're a bigger chain restaurant, instead of having to interact with us via a tablet, 
we can actually uh, pipe that order directly through to the display unit that the cooks use in the kitchen. Uh, and so be directly part of their business process. So they don't have to do anything extra incremental uh, when it comes to uh, making food for delivery or pickup too. So that's a big area we're investing. Lots of more yummy things to come from GrabUp. Thank you so much, Sam Hall, the Chief Product Officer at GrabUp. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow. I'm Christian Terbisch, and this is Business Radio powered by the Wharton School on Series XM. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.